The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. We're going to be in several different passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, Psalms chapter 11, verse 3 is where we're going to start. And uh, we're, there's one verse there, and I think probably uh, you're going to be familiar with it once you hear it. And uh, this morning we don't have a uh, real powerful message on uh, Memorial Day. I thought about that, what Memorial Day means, where it came from, how it started, and uh, all the different things that we could do. And it, there's some great, uh, some great histories out there as far as Memorial Day. But in Psalms chapter 11, verse 3, there's a question asked. And the question is this, if the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? Now, there's a lot of different translation. Uh, if, the frou- if the foundations are crumbling, what can the righteous do? I found one translation that says, What can an hon- honest person do when everything crumbles? And I would say today, I'm not here to, to talk about gloom and doom because I don't believe that, uh, that we are living in a time of gloom and doom. I believe we're living in a time of opportunity. And if you go back and really think about when our nation was, was founded, uh, it was a time of war, it was a time of many lives given, but uh, instead of seeing that uh, as a time of gloom and doom, our founding fathers saw that as a time of opportunity. Uh, opportunity to, to begin starting a country, and there were some prices that had to be paid along with that. In the year 1833, the place was uh, the island of Jamaica, uh, the crown colony of the British Empire. You've all heard this statement. For my kids, they're going to laugh about kind of an inside joke about this, but the issue that was taking place was the abol- uh, the, uh, 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 to abolish slavery. And that was taking place there in, in Jamaica, and uh, the British considered Jamaica an important resource for their empire, uh, their parliament had voted to set the nation free. And as I said, it was 1833. They said, we're going to set this nation free. The date was set for the island to, uh, to, to, that slaves are waiting for their freedom. There's a date set out there. And the British colony said, this is the date. We're going to declare you as a free nation, and finally that morning came, and as the sun came up and the rays of sunshine began to shine across the island, this phrase could be heard. Now, you may have never known where this came from till today, and the phrase, does anybody know what the phrase was? Free at last. What's the rest of it? Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. That's where that was born. Praise God, I am free at last. And that started as the British considered Jamaica as a free country and free men. And, and throughout the island, that was the cry of freedom. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Likewise, there's a song of freedom that, that beats in the heart of Americans. And we think about that, we're founded on an ideal and we're founded as a nation of freedom. And when we think about that, our Constitution declares that we were established, quote, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to those 
who would follow. That's how we were founded, to secure a blessing of liberty to ourselves and those who would follow. Abraham Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address, declaring our nation has been conceived in liberty and freedom and America. Those terms have just become synonymous terms. They're just used together, freedom and America. But nobody can really be true, uh, can be free, and none can be free apart from God. And our founding fathers, they understood that, and they understood that, that they need to acknowledge that basic truth, that we are free because we became one nation under God. And, and that's how our country was born, and that's how we established that ideal that, that America is a great because it's, it's built on a solid foundation of the Word of God. Now, you don't have to say, well, that's just uh, Memorial Day time, and it's just some rigmarole that a preacher's going to say, go back and study your history. Because I could stand here for the next hour, and y'all probably wouldn't be here an hour from now, but and we could just stand and read person after person after person after person that was part of our founding fathers and even beyond that will, that will convey the truth that we are built as a Christian nation. I mean, that's how America was founded. When Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner, could we all sing that? We're not going to, but we could all probably sing that without, without any help. I, it was a, hilarious to me one time, and, and I felt sorry for this girl because I've been in front of folks, and I've been nervous, and uh, we were at a uh, Region 8 at a uh, gathering there of, of school teachers and different things when I was on the school board, and uh, they said, we have a student here that's going to sing the, the, uh, the Star-Spangled Banner, and, and Thomas Darden, y'all know him, he was, he was kind of moderating the meeting, and and bless her heart, she got up there and, and she got about the first four words, oh say can you see, right? And from that point on, I'm not sure what she sang. And she wasn't sure what she sang either, but every now and then she would hit a few words that was a phrase. And I just felt for her so much because she, she could tell that, hey, I have gotten off somewhere and I'm really not sure where I am and... She finally ended up with the, uh, the last words there, the, the home of the free. And, and Thomas got up and he goes, thank you for that lovely rendition. <laughs> and uh, nobody laughed, but boy, I was having to hold it in because that's what it was. It was a lovely rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. But we could probably get together this morning. Matter of fact, I was at a playoff game at... Uh, Cooper Jim basketball and uh, they couldn't get the tape to play and somebody in this group of fans started singing. You remember that, Ronnie? You were there. You was probably back there trying to mess with the tape player. And uh, boy, all of a sudden, that whole gym, everybody just joined in unison. It was the best Star Spangled Banner I'd ever heard. I mean, it was great singing. But how many could sing the second verse? Or how many could just, your, your version would be a lovely rendition. <laughs> Mine would definitely be a lovely rendition. But I want you to hear what it says. This is Francis Scott Key. This is the second verse to the Star-Spangled Banner. And I think he knew what he was writing. He said, Oh, thus it ever be when free men shall stand between their loved homes and wars and desolation. 
blessed with victory and blessed with peace. And may the heaven rescued land praise the power that has made and preserved us as a nation. Now, did you hear that? Praise the power that has made us and preserved us as a nation. Then conquer we must when it becomes it is just. And our nation's motto be in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. You know, when you read that verse, I mean, that, that, it's a great verse. And, of course, we never sing that. We, it's funny, in our, even in our hymns so often, we sing the first and last, and we miss the ones in the middle, and they often have some of the better, uh, some of the better meanings and some of the better words. So, as I said, we could read word after word after word of how our country came to where it would be, but... But today, I want us to look at the foundations of freedom. And I have seven things, and we're going to be out of here on time, and we really are, I promise you that. But I want to give you seven things about the foundations of freedom. Over in John chapter 8, verse 33, it says, And you'll know the truth, and what? And it's going to set you free. The truth is, that's what Esther always told Fred, wasn't it? You know, uh, you're going to know the truth, and the, the truth will set you free. And a clear understanding of the truths of life, of morality, of honesty, of, of social order, the best place to find those things are in Scripture. And, and that's where we find the truth, the teaching of no other document, more plainly describes, more plainly puts the principles upon which a civilized nation is built. That's where we find those truths. And I could go into a whole message about what we've been studying on Sunday night and how we've kind of turned as a nation to where we are, but the, the biblical principles in our nation, and I'm going back several years, were, were known as Judeo-Christian ethics. And that's kind of where our country started. That's kind of where we came from. And they're found throughout the Bible, but, but I have them listed this morning. And these are some of the Judeo-Christian ethics that that our founding fathers said, as a country, this is what we're founded on. And there's seven of them, and the first is this, the dignity of human life. That was one of the foundations of our founding fathers, the dignity of human life. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, one of the Ten Commandments says this, you shall not murder. That's part of the dignity of human life. Matthew 29, 39 says, you shall love your neighbor... As yourself, and the Bible teaches us throughout Scripture that we're to respect our lives as well as respect the lives of others. Now, I'm not, as I said at the beginning, I'm not, I'm not preaching a message of gloom and doom. But without saying this, folks, we know that our nation has begun to turn away from that, haven't they? The the dignity of human life, not only through abortions, not only through killing the unborn. But we're even kind of moving to that point in society, and I believe we'll see it in our lifetimes, where if you're of a certain age and, and for the, the good of the society, you're not providing anything, that there'll be an opportunity for just say, hey, let's, let's do away with that person. If health care, and I'm, I'm not being political this morning, I wasn't even going to head this way, but you know, uh, health care and our government basically has come to a point that says, okay, we're just not going to pay for you to sustain your life if you can't have this great quality of life. Well, what does that mean? What our founding fathers wanted us to understand is the dignity of human life. 
But as a nation, we're moving away from those things. We had a, a lady, and I'm going to spend more time on this one than any other. We had a, a lady in a church that I was at, and I, I was, I was, I was going to say a few years ago. I got to thinking about it. It's been 20 years plus ago. And we were talking about the issue of abortion. It wasn't a, a big issue then as it is now. This Christian lady in this Bible study said, I support that. Why should any man tell me whether I should have a baby or not? That's not the issue, is it? The issue is the dignity of human life. She completely missed the issue. She completely missed what the study was about. It was about the dignity of human life. And as a nation, that's what we were founded on, the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Look at those first words. We are founded on the right to life. You know what? That goes for everyone, doesn't it? The right to life. So our our first principle, the dignity of human life. Number two, the traditional family. That's part of what our nation was founded on, the traditional family. Genesis 2, 23 and 24, and Adam said, said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and they shall cleave together unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God instituted marriage. He put that together as a nation. He said, this, this, this nation needs a traditional family. And we know that we're moving away from that. It's interesting. This year, I think I, I've got five weddings I'm preaching, and I've got three more, eight weddings. It's a lot, isn't it? For me, that's a lot. You know, I mean, that's a, and I've, I've preached one. I've got one next week, and then two weeks after that, I've got another one. And uh, uh, then a uh, few weeks after that, I've got another one. And in September, I've got another one. In October, I've got another one. All of y'all know that because we've been having showers and all kinds of things for those things. But the traditional family, God instituted the traditional family. And that's his desire for us. That's the, the nation which he blesses. Here's the third thing, a national work ethic. You know what? That's not something we just made up. If you turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, for even when you were, for even when we were with you, we commanded you these things. If anyone would not work, neither what? Neither should they eat. <laughs> that's that's a that's a principle that our nation was founded on. That, that, that ethic, that, that worth ethic, that means that people should, should work for their, lone, for, their, for their survival. They should work for their livelihood. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's, there's others that need help. There's, there's things that we as a nation should help out. But you know where that was found at? In the church in Acts, what did God say about the church? It said we're to give to those who have needs. Give out of our abundance to those who have needs. And, and as a nation, that's where we're failing at today. We fell in that, that area of that national work ethic. You said, I thought you weren't going to be political today. I'm not. Just reading what our, what our founding fathers set our country up on. Number next, the right to a God-centered education. Did you know that's what part of our country was founded on? Ephesians 6, 4. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition, admonition, what's that word? Admonition of the Lord. Isn't that terrible not to have that down up here? 
But listen, you know Harvard and Princeton and Yale, you know who those were founded by? Our, our, our founding fathers. And you know what they were? They were Christian institutions. But they've turned a long way from that, haven't they? You, if you don't know, go do a little bit of studying on them. But they were religious schools, and they were put in place that we might raise up a person or people of, of, of integrity with a God-centered education. That was, that's where our nation was headed. That's where we was founded. The next one, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And Jehovah said to Abram, Go out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house into a land that I'll show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you as a nation. Let's talk about Israel. I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm throw you a bone. You'll have to put the meat on it later because we don't have time. But listen to what God's word. I'm going to bless the nations that bless you, Israel. And I'm going to curse the nations that curse you, Israel. And you shall find all families of the earth blessed. And Galatians 3, 7 says, Therefore know that those of faith, these are the sons of Abraham. Those who believe in Christ... They're an extension of what God was doing through Abraham. Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. As we read those, things, as we read those statements of Scripture and we realize that, that God's plan is this, He's going to bless those who bless Israel, who support Israel. Where are we going as a nation? We're going away from that. We're saying, wait a minute, we, we can't support you anymore. We, we don't agree with what you're saying. We could spend a whole time right here on the rest of this. Just know that that Abrahamic covenant, that was part of what our nation was set up on, that we would support those and the nations that bless the, the nations of Israel would be blessed by the God and those who cursed would be cursed by God. As I said, go and study the Scripture. And, and we can do a study on this sometimes if you want to about what God has to say about our nation and Israel. Next thing, the principle of common decency, Matthew twenty two thirty nine, And the second is like this, we should love our nation as ourselves. Americans have been a people who do the right things, who do decent things. That's, that's where our country was founded. The Statue of Liberty have these words written upon it. And you know these words, some of them. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe freedom. The wretched refused from your teeming shore, and send these to the homeless, tempest tossed to me, that I lift my lamp to the golden door. We're, we should be a nation of, of benevolence, but we should be a nation that supports one another. Now, I'm getting all this down to East Delta, okay? You may be thinking, okay, we're stuck over here in the corner, but, but I want us to think about the question that we're answering. When the foundations are crumbling, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are crumbling, what can the righteous do? Here's the last thing, number seven, that was part of our founding fathers, these Judeo-Christian ethics that are in our history, our personal accountability to God. Hebrews 9.27, And it is appointed to men once to die, and after that face the judgment. The Bible clearly teaches that Peoples and nations will give an account before God. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why our founding fathers built this nation upon the foundation of Jesus Christ because they understood one day we're going to give an account as a nation. We're going to give an account as a people. 
Daniel Webster, I'm sure all of you have heard of him. He was a great mind. And somebody asked him, Mr. Webster, what is the greatest thought that you feel has ever passed through your mind? And his reply was, my personal accountability to God. Our founding fathers knew those things. They, they understood those things. The greatest freedom that we have today is the freedom that we receive through God the Father. Now, I'm coming to a close here, but on our money is stamped E Plurimus Unum. What does that word mean? It's a Latin word. Who remembers? Out of many come one. From many come one. America is a nation of ones. That's where our founding fathers wanted us to be. A nation of ones for the land of the free. And for folks to be free, we have to be accountable to God. Now, I want you to give that just a little bit of thought. If we are a nation under God, we're a free nation, aren't we? Think about this. The farther as a nation we get from God, the more in bondage we become. Isn't that true? I mean, look around today. The, 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 the more laws, the more rules we pass, the farther we get away from God, the more we become in bondage. So the greatest freedom we could have, we find in Christ. He was the, he was the first freedom fighter. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the Spirit is a life in Jesus Christ. And he has set me free from the law of sin and from the law of death. Think about it. God has set us free from sin. He set us free from death. He set us free and has control over our lives if we surrender to him. What I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been freed by God himself? You know, it's so easy. It's just so easy. We make easy things complicated sometimes, and we make complicated things easy sometimes. But the easiest thing for us to do is be set free. And we can say, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. When we come to the Father, and when we're set free by the Father, we're free from death, we're free from sin, and that's simply through asking Jesus Christ to come into our heart, forgive us of our sins, to bring us salvation, that we might be set free. Okay, I said this. How, how does, what does that have to do with us today? We're down here at East Delta. We're in the east end of Texas. We're a small church, a small congregation. Boy, there's so many things that I'd like to tell you about. But one group, I'll start with this. Uh, Maasai, that's over in Kenya and Tanzania, some different areas. There was a missionary who went over. Those are cattle raisers. Those people in that area, they raised cattle and they were not only cattle raisers, they were rustlers. So there's a big plain there, and everybody had their groups of cattle, and they'd go over here, and they'd steal those people's cattle, and they'd go over there and steal their cattle back, and they would steal from them, and they'd steal from them. And they were, they were herdsmen, but they were thieves. A missionary went and said, you know what I want to do? I'm going to try to win the Manasseh people to Christ. He, he took 70 men... And in those 70 men, he began to teach them the Word of God. Those 70 men were set free by Christ. They accept Christ as their personal Savior. He sent them out, and from that, tens of hundreds of thousands of the Manasseh people turned to Christ. Now, this was years ago. They're back kind of in the mess again. But what it took, it took one man who took 70 men 
who ended up affecting tens of thousands of men. Well, I'm, I'm just here in East Delta. How, how many men did it take? I can't go to Tanzania. I, I have a job. I'm not a missionary. Okay, let's back it up a little bit. You've probably heard this before. A Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. Anybody ever heard of him? Probably not. One person. Edward Kimball led Dwight L. Moody to Christ. Who was Edward Kimball? He was a Sunday school teacher in a church just like this one. He led one man to Christ, D.L. Moody. Wilbur Chapman, he went to an evangelistic meeting that D.L. Moody was preaching at. Most of you have heard of D.L. Moody in the 1870s. He accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He went and talked to Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody began to counsel him, began to teach him, began to train him. He became a co-worker of D.L. Moody. Later in his life, he met a baseball star named Billy Sunday. Some of y'all heard of Billy Sunday. He was a baseball... I could tell you a story about him. I don't have time. He was in the gutters. He was headed the wrong direction. He came to Christ through Wilbur Chapman. Billy Sunday held an evangelistic event in Charlotte, North Carolina, or South Carolina in 1924. He had a men's group, a prayer fellowship group. Billy Sunday was leading that. In that group, there was a man came forward named Mordecai Ham. One man. So where did this start? Edward Kimball, Sunday school teacher. Leads the white moody to Christ. Wilbur Chapman, just a layman in the church, sees Christ. He goes, starts a men's Bible study. Billy Sunday accepts Christ, lifted up out of the gutter, accepts Christ, leading a study called the CBMC, Charlotte's Business Men's Club. That's what it was named. Mordecai Ham received the message. He went and was preaching a sermon. A 16-year-old man... Came to the sermon, came to the service, Mordecai Ham, there leading the service that morning because the preacher couldn't get there because there was snow and ice on the ground. The deacon cut up, said, I'll take care of the service this morning. The 16-year-old came in. He asked him, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? He accepted Christ that morning. Who knows who he was? Billy Graham. From one man, one Sunday school teacher, Billy Graham's preached to hundreds and millions and millions of people. You say, we're in East Delta. What can I do? I'm one person. We're one small church. We're stuck over in the corner of Texas. What can we do? You know what we can do? We can be faithful to Christ. When the foundations are crumbling, we can stand firm. What can the righteous do? When things, are, when things are falling about, we're one person, but we can stand firm. And who knows that God might not take your lesson this morning in Sunday school, or your word to someone at work, or your word to someone in a line at Walmart, or your word to someone flying on vacation, or sitting on a ski lift, or doing any number of things that God won't take that, and through multiplication can begin to change America. It's founded by a few men who saw a vision of what America needed to be, and through the blood, sweat, and tears of many, 
we became a free nation. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to. I know I just flew through some things, but I want you to consider this. Have you been set free indeed? Only through Christ do we find freedom. You know, when we backslide away sometimes, when we wander off and get on the wrong path, so often we get bogged down in the murk and the mire of our society. The, the Bible calls it the old man inside of us, raises its head. But Christ says this, my burden is light, my yoke is easy, come from me, I'll, I'll, I'll lift your burden, I'll give you rest. I believe firmly, we've, got, we've probably got 70 people here this morning, maybe more, maybe less, I don't know. But you know what, if, if 70 of us got serious about God's business, I believe we'd change not only this community and not only this county, but we could change the world. I believe that. Not through our power, not through our abilities, but simply saying, God, I'm available for you to use me. I'm one individual, but God, would you use me in a mighty way? I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I'm just a shoe salesman. But God took that shoe-selling Sunday school teacher and he used him in a mighty way. Would you be available this morning just to serve the Lord? Father, I pray this morning as we just consider who we are in you. Father, I thank you for this country we live in. I thank you, Father, that we live in the greatest country in the world today. Father, I thank you for your blessings I thank you for the freedoms that we share through you. I thank you for our founding fathers who had a vision for a country, for a nation led by the one true God. Father, I thank you that I was born here, and I thank you for each one here today that was born in this nation. Lord, I pray that we know that Men and women have given their lives that we might share in this freedom. But I pray also, Father, that we would know in the freedom we have in you, you have saved us. You've raised us up as a holy people. And, Father, if each one of us, including me, would be faithful to your task and faithful to your business, that, Father, all these other details would take care of themselves. You've got this whole world in your hands. You've got your children in this place in your hands. You've got this church in your hands. And Father, I pray as your church, as your children, we'd be about your business. I pray that we'd surrender all we have and all we are to you. I pray that we would serve you out of joy and we'd serve you with gladness. And Father, just pray that you'd bless each one that's here today. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.